This is Lorraine Ball, and this week we're going to talk about Twitter voices. And one of the reasons we decided that this was going to be our new topic is we have a new voice behind the Roundhead Twitter account. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Jared Jewett. This is actually my second day here at Roundpeg uh, doing strategic communications. And uh, I'm, I'm super excited to be talking to you guys today on uh, more than a few words. Awesome. So today we're going to talk about kind of some of the different types of Twitter voices, give some people some examples of um, what we think is working, what isn't working, and maybe some of the changes. So we were talking about this before we started. Snarky seems to be on its way out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Twitter, I think, started as a place where you could get in with maybe 10 or 15 or 20 of your best friends and have all of their day-to-day -day information come up through their feeds. And it was, it was sort of a, your own uh, kind of, for us, it was our guys club. And I know for some ladies, it's kind of your way to chat behind the scenes, right? And so it was okay to be incendiary about brands, about your boss, about your other best friend that didn't follow you on Twitter. And, and that was the point of the medium. It was very sarcastic, yeah. and it was it was fun. You said something snarky, and okay. people noticed you, and they shared it. Um, but as the medium has matured, and as companies are looking at it both as a way to communicate individually, but also as brands, it's harder to be snarky. Yeah, there's the, you just can't do it anymore, right? Everybody wants you to be nice. You have to be politically correct because instead of brands uh, having Twitter as as sort of this this small little arm that they were exploring for their voice and for their brand, it has now become you know one of their main one of the main weapons in their arsenal, and and it's huge. And and you have to be nice. It's the same as putting out a commercial. You just can't put out incendiary commercials really anymore and, and uh, expect for your brand to be successful. I mean, I still have a little bit of sarcasm and a little bit of snark, but I separated Lorraine yeah. and Roundpeg, and so I created these two accounts, so when I want to push the envelope a little bit, yeah. I'm going to maybe push it through my personal brand. But what I want to do is, is kind of take a look at some of the personalities and, and kind of interaction we're seeing on Twitter. Um, interaction. Some of the big names, some of the people I used to really follow, some of the guys from that yeah. early club. Chris Brogan, Jay Bear. What kind of things are you seeing in their accounts today versus maybe what you saw a few years ago? Yeah, I think that's a great kind of lead-in from where we were talking about the medium maturing. Again, these people had such small communities they were talking to, it was much easier for them. I mean, just math-wise, statistics-wise, for them to talk to the people that were talking to them. Um, and, and that's how they got more followers. They became very, very well respected for the kind of information they were sharing out. But once your Twitter follower, follower count hit something like 50,000, there's just no way you're going to respond to, to all these different messages. It's just, it's impossible. So these people really become more uh, of broadcasters. Uh, Twitter, I think, at least for bigger brands, has definitely just become a broadcasting medium, which isn't a terrible thing. I mean, there are some things that you have to do for customer service, absolutely, and that's expected, uh, especially if there's flyers that you have to put out. But for the most part, you know, uh, a lot of what we even do in business now is just is scheduling broadcasted tweets. And I think the, uh, the scheduling messages is okay, but if you yeah. really want to be successful, you have to balance Absolutely. both. And I've got this great example, um, and this goes back a number of years ago. Very early in my Twitter experience, my husband was um, at Discount Tire, and he put up a note and said, hey, I'm a Discount Tire, got, getting great service. And... Someone in customer service, Discount Tire, reached out and mm. thanked him. Now, today, we expect that. That's sort of, yeah. if you mention a brand, 
Back then, it was unusual. So he commented again, saying, you know, that he was really impressed. And then that person did something really unusual. They looked at his profile, went to his, his website, and said, hey, A-Ball Studio, love your art. When are you coming to Phoenix? Yeah, awesome. And in that moment, they stopped being a brand and started being yeah. a person. So how do business owners do that today? How do you manage and balance the broadcast with the personal? Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think you know, through, again, the, the maturity of the medium, we have seen you know, Twitter being a place where innovation was just bred, where it was almost forced just through the interactions, and that was awesome. Uh, and then big brand managers realized that was the way to go. And so now it's just part of marketing strategy, or it's part of communication strategy, is to build some sort of either interaction or customer service into the things that you're doing. Um, and, and I think if you just have those strategies in place and you run the people who, or you, need, you train the people who need to be trained on how to kind of go through that customer interaction, uh, how, how to do what they're supposed to do, then you're set. I mean, it is just expected of you now. Well, I think, you know, when I'm looking at it, and, and I'm going to use Round Peg as an example. Yeah. When we split the um, Rainbow and Round Peg, and I pulled my personal stuff into a separate Twitter account, Allison and I really spent a lot of time talking about what was and wasn't appropriate for the Round Peg yeah. feed. What kind of voice, what sort of content we would be sharing. And just like Discount Tire went through their transition, when, when our favorite person at Discount Tire left, yeah. the brand wasn't fun to follow anymore. I was very cognizant of that as Allison stepped out and you stepped in. Sure. So, you know, as business owners are managing kind of their brands, they have to be looking at what's our voice and how do we transfer that to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of boring, right? But that's the reason you have, you set uh, standard operating procedures into place, right? It's, it's true, though. I mean, and you set up a training document. So when someone comes in, they really, you know, just have to go with the flow, add a little bit of their own voice in there because, that's, again, that's expected on Twitter. But, um, but if you haven't laid that foundation for uh, the kind of churn in your business and for those new people to come in and still be using your voice, then you're just missing the mark. Well, and what you're talking about really goes back to branding and brand voice in general. Yeah. When I was at Conseco, we had a document because we had 22 riders in Indianapolis and six in uh, St. Paul who were all supposed to be riding in the Conseco voice. Mm -hmm. And so here you had 28 different riders that all had to create content so that as I moved from one to the next, I couldn't tell who wrote yeah. it. And the way that we did that is we had very strict guidelines, words that we never used. We didn't use anything that ended in I-Z-E. We didn't maximize, we didn't utilize, we didn't customize. It was pretentious, it wasn't right for our market. Um, we had photographs in the office of who we were and who we weren't. We were supposed to be a um, Cocker Spaniel, not a French Poodle. We were a Penny Loafer, not a Stiletto. We were a Daisy, not a Rose. And, and each of those had very specific explanations. Sure. And so that very kind of descriptive, who is your brand, makes sense in a social world as well. Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, did you find that was, that was effective for what you were doing? I mean, among those, what, 28 or 30 writers? I mean, that's a lot of people to keep consistent. And that's I'm assuming talking about 
uh, even just print copy or web copy that was updated maybe a couple times a week. And in, in the world of Twitter, we're talking every couple minutes or a couple even seconds if people are on the ball. And to keep that many people consistent like that, I mean, you've got to have a plan. Right? You have to. And um, it also allows you to go back and, and having that kind of plan and having that sort of guideline, you're going to make mistakes in Twitter, again, because it is rapid fire. You're going to have one or two tweets that you may look at and go, wow, that really didn't sound like us. Let it go and move on. But it gives you a way to kind of manage and review. So as a business owner, if you're working with an outside company, if you're working with both internal and external resources, you can kind of look at the news feed and see, does it sort of always look essentially the same? Does it have that same voice and character? My daughter complains sometimes when she reads the news feed. She's like, I, I want to respond to something that I saw at Roundpeg, and I don't know if you wrote it. Sure, okay. And that's actually good. Yeah, that's not that's, a bad thing at all. That, that's, that's what I want. I want people, to, even the people that know us the best, to go, well, that's Roundpeg, but is it Allison or is it Jared? Is sure. it Anne? And, and you want that um, because that's what becomes your brand voice. And sure. you can't do it without guidelines. So if we're talking about scope and scale, what level do you think a company should be at where they did the thing you did, where you separated you from your brand? I mean, I think it's really important, though, because you know, you're talking about Conseco. Obviously, they had entire departments dedicated to just voicing, right? But, but if you're a small business, you know, it's probably okay for you to be the voice of your small business. I mean, at what point do you, do you break that? Um, I would actually recommend sooner rather than later. Sure. Um, I did a presentation about this at Blog Indiana a oh, few years yeah. ago. And you, what I actually came to is I was holding Roundpeg back. Okay. Um, the Twitter feed was, when, it, when I was Roundpeg, when it was my picture attached to the Roundpeg name, the Twitter feed was fun. You might have conversations about local restaurants, a little bit of politics, what I was doing that afternoon, as well as business and marketing. And it was sort of like getting inside my head, which was great when Roundpeg was just me. But there came a time when the company was growing, when I recognized that Roundpeg was bigger than me, when I wanted the people in the organization to step up and take ownership for the brand holding on to the Roundpeg name as my personal yeah. uh, account was holding me back from doing what I wanted to grow. So I would recommend for any business owner, even if you are a sole proprietor, you're it, you're the whole thing, create two Twitter accounts. Start with the end in mind. Start with the idea that five years from now I'm going to have a business that is a thriving, vibrant place where multiple people yeah. work. Yeah and that you need to, right from the start, have those two Twitter accounts and have those personalities um, where you do say different things on different platforms. Um, one other thing, and a lot of people fall into this trap, they have a personal Twitter account and a business Twitter account, and they put up exactly the same posts to both. Oh, yeah. I know you can do that on Hootsuite. Don't! <laughs> you can do it all over the place. You just should not. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the thing is that why would anybody follow the two accounts if you're always saying the same things? Yeah. Um, I may 
link to the same article, yeah. but I'm going to introduce it differently. I'm going to talk about it differently. Sure. And I mean, we even do that, I think, with some of the round peg stuff here. I mean, uh, the people in the office will have a different take on what they've read mm -hmm. on the blog and tweet out much differently than perhaps just the, the branded Twitter account itself. And that's important. I think. I think it is. And also, I think each of us individually, we're curating our own content. Absolutely. So people follow me because they're going to get a mixture of marketing and photography because yeah. that's what I like. We're going to get a lot of conversations about food because I like right. to eat. Um, and you're going to get, right now you're getting a lot of politics, which is really not, which is really not typical for me, but there's just so much going on, I think, in the state of Indiana right now yeah. that has an impact on business. Oh, absolutely. That I think, um, as a business owner, I, I'm kind of breaking one of my rules about not getting involved in political conversations. <laughs> sure. um, but thinking about Twitter and thinking about creating that personality and that brand, what else do you think business owners need to be considering? Ooh, that's an awesome question. Probably what each of your individual employees are saying, and not only like what they need to say, but but why they're saying it about your brand. You know, are they are they being good ambassadors? For your brand, are are they flaming you? Which I mean, sometimes that's not even the worst thing. Honestly, it, it really isn't. And uh, and are and are they um, are they being consistent with the messages they send about about you and your brand and your business? And and you you probably should be monitoring that, or at least train them on how to do it right. And I think that's kind of you know where that line where I think companies struggle with the fact that social media and personal social media accounts are just that. They are mm -hmm. personal accounts. Kind of where I drew the line here is Facebook, I don't care whether my employees are friends with me, I consider Facebook their playground. I ask that they like and share some of our yeah. stuff, but I don't really necessarily want our clients to know what they do on Saturday night. It's none of their business. Yeah, sure. Twitter, I think, is a little bit more public, and so I do kind of have, I, I've set some boundaries on, I want team members yeah. tweeting. Um, every now and then I may read a tweet and maybe have a quick conversation on, yeah, I know that was Saturday night, but could we maybe dial back the F words in the, in the sure. tweet? Because it just, it doesn't serve you well, it doesn't serve us yeah. well. And I think you have to be, you have to be willing to take the good with the bad. Um, and I, I get a lot of pushback from business owners who are like, well, but... I, you know, what if they say something wrong? Well, here's the bottom line. That person is going to go into a bar on a Saturday night or they're going to go to a party or they're going to go to a networking event and they're going to say something. Yeah. And then they're going to hand somebody their business card. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing on Twitter. Yeah, you better believe it. So what we're saying here, I think, is that managers and, uh, and business owners in particular really need to carve out that time. Because mm -hmm. if, if they're not paying any attention at all, that is the absolute worst thing they can do for their brand, especially when it comes to their employees, but even for themselves, too. Absolutely. Um, Twitter is um, probably only 25% of the total number of people, on, or 25% of the people on Facebook. Twitter's not nearly as large as Facebook or yeah. some of the other um, social networks, but what we're seeing is, because of its highly interactive nature, it moves and impacts brands much faster and much more directly. So I don't think it's something that businesses can continue to ignore. Yeah, no, no way at all. Because it, it really is an up-to-the-minute ticker tape 
that that no other medium really has the ability to be, or really uh, the infrastructure to be, and, and that's something if you're not taking advantage of it, I mean, that that's on you. That's money on the table. Awesome. If you're curious about uh, learning more about our newest member, Jared, be sure to check out the Meet the Team page on Rampet. We'll be back in the coming weeks with lots more conversations about marketing, social media, networking, and anything else that strikes our fancy.